Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good and I'm delighted to have our special guest back for this month in EUC. Apologies to our listeners for the fact that we didn't have one in January, but I got sick and I I pulled the typical man response and pretended I was dying for two weeks. So uh, that's why we're late, but uh, we have a good one today. We're going to cover January and February. Hooray! So lots to talk about. Uh, And how about you, Jane? Doing pretty good. Just, uh, you know, kind of get away from that sickness that my kids have that kind of passed on to me, but... Uh, I'm still pushing through it, and I'm excited to talk about um, this month in EUC with our guest Case Baggerman and Thomas Brown. Hey guys! Hey guys! Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So we're gonna we're gonna have a hard time fitting all of this content in in uh, in an hourly window. So let's kick straight into it. Uh, wasn't lucky enough to be in Citrix Summit, but obviously January they put on a pretty good show. Dame got uh, Dame got pretty well owned on BrianMadden.com with his partner picture, which I did enjoy. <laughs> um, Jerry, did you attend? Yes, I was there. Um, it was kind of different. Um, good to see what some of the changes going on. So. And I actually got to meet uh, Thomas in person for the first time, too. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I got to sit down with Jarian and, uh, and our buddy Sean Bass there and had a drink. So that was, that was great. Very good. And Case, did you go or did you, did you stay put? I wish I, uh, I, I could have gone, but uh, with the baby still three months old or two months old at the time, you know, um, I thought it was better relationship-wise not to not yeah. to suggest it. Wife acceptance uh, factor said I, no. Exactly. So I, I skipped this one. But um, uh, I've got two sessions um, accepted at Synergy, uh, one with Jerrion. So um, Synergy is um, definitely on, uh, on the to-go list. Awesome stuff! Awesome stuff. So um, one of the one of the big announcements was uh, the Nescaler CPX. Um, personally, don't see a massive amount of use for this myself, but I can see why DevOps would love it. Uh, CPX is the ability to run a Nescaler instance in a Docker style um, container. Um, saw some really interesting demos on this one, um, but I don't. Uh, I, I can't see myself using it personally. Anybody else got any feedback on this one? Yeah, so I am. I'm having troubles to wrap my head around this. I mean, if you're DevOps, do you really want to configure a Netscaler in front of your app, or do you want to focus on your app uh, potential HA and then let another team handle the the Netscaler part? You know, it's just I'm not I'm not directly seeing the added value of uh, of uh, Netscaler in a container. You know, I mean, the way it was pitched was basically um, as those developers are writing the app, you know, if they want to test, you know, Netscaler API calls, then they can run the Netscaler in a container. You know, I, I guess there is some use case for that, but I think it's pretty niche. I love how the Americans pronounce niche. <laughs> niche. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's obviously not going to be able to do Layer 2 or Layer 3, really, is it? So, I mean... Yeah, no, I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen with this one. I suppose the 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 utility will be for for those DevOps people who don't really like to talk to anybody else. They have the ability to kind of configure their own their own load balancers without having to throw it over to defense to another department. But um, no, it's interesting to see, and I suppose it's containers are a big hot topic for last year and this year going forward. So Netscaler has grabbed a bit of the action, you know. Um, the other one was browser service. I'm having a uh, hard time wrapping my head around this one but uh it is a 
host of browsers running in the Citrix Workspace Cloud that you can leverage to access your apps from. Um, for example, if you want a certain version of Chrome or Internet Explorer or Firefox, rather than using a local copy, you can pump your URL up there and use it as a resource. Um, Citrix seemed very, very keen on this one. Um, I don't really see it. Anybody got anything to say on that one? I, I see that a little bit. Um, you know, there's always a challenge of the the browser issue and plugins and versions and so forth. So I can kind of see where they're coming from. Um, you know, it, it's great to see this will be available for existing customers with some blueprints through lifecycle management, along with some guides they have to do this with 7.8. Um, my only question is going to be the time to kind of value on this with them trying to emulate these different browsers and plugins and so forth when we have products out there that kind of already do this and are already way ahead of them, like Spoon, for instance. Or, I'm sorry, now called Turbo. Um, yeah, but I, I guess, so the, the hosted service, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it, but if we could do this on-prem, having multiple instances of a browser that we can select based on whatever variables we need, I definitely can see uh, added value into that. I mean, um, one of my latest or one of the last projects I've, I did when I was working at a, at a partner was um, one of the applications was written in uh, front page four, um, and it had to land on a Windows 2008 R2 uh, IE 11 server, and it it wouldn't do. There was no way to to make that happen um, unless you're gonna you, you you're able to. Uh, either virtualize IE or have something like a browser server. So in in that case, the browser service on-prem would be very, very convenient. Okay, yeah, no, I kind of get that, but, you know, we can kind of already do this today, can't we? I mean, we can we can deploy ZenApp 4.5 or ZenApp 6 or 6.5 and put our own browsers onto it and then kind of have at it, if that makes sense. And this is a separate license entirely to... To um to apps and desktops and everything else, you can buy browser services as standalone. I can I, I can see the utility or I can see where they're going with this, one, but I honestly can't see myself selling this this year. Um, and then I mean, if you take it a step further, I mean, obviously, ThinApp has been able to virtualize IE for for a very long time. Um, as you mentioned already, Turbo can do something similar too. So, um, I I, I hope to be proven wrong. I hope to see some some good input on this. I just don't get it at the moment. Yeah, I hope they'd be proven wrong as well. You know, the one thing I like what Turbo can do is they have some controls, you know, for their containers to kind of say, you know, this browser with this version can only talk to this backend server. So they do have some more controls wrapped around their service. But, you know, it's just a start for Citrix. So, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, sorry, Thomas is just reminding me in in the background here of uh, when um, I made fun of him a couple of episodes back about thin app and IE. <laughs> Sorry about that, Thomas. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Forget. Yeah, no, you didn't. Yeah. Elephants and all that. Uh anyway, um other announcement. Uh Zen Desktop seven dot seven hit the hit the streets late last year and seven dot eight has followed um in the last couple of weeks. Um what features are we talking about with 7.8? We've got AppDisk with AppDNA integration, and we've got uh, AppV without the management infrastructure. Um, have we had a chance to have a look at 7.8 yet? You know, I haven't had a chance to throw it up in the lab yet, but I saw um, I saw a lot of the blog posts. Like Dane did a great blog post on on the uh, the setup and the integration. Um, you know, I think the the integration with AppV is very welcomed. 
especially with the fact that um, Windows is going to put the AppB client in Windows, or Microsoft is going to put the AppB client in Windows 10. I think you, do you think you'll see some more uh, uptick in AppB integration there? Do you know what I don't like about the AppB integration is that it only works for published apps. So, uh, you know, the, one of the yeah. one, one of the things that pisses me, oh sorry, that really annoys me about AppDisk is the delivery group binding. So you gotta, you know, you gotta have a, a machine catalog in the background, and then you're separating out your um, your your delivery groups per department, which w- w- suit your your app AppDisk attachments. So in theory, you. Uh, you could end up with multiple delivery groups managing the same desktop in the background with a couple of different app disks attached to them. So if that's the direction they're going to go, that's fine with me. You know, delivery groups are your new departmental kind of segmentation of users in, in your organization. But then AppV integration came along without the management infrastructure. And I thought, you know what, that would actually make a lot of sense if you could do it with desktops too, in the sense that you push it at, you, you, you know, you point the, the delivery console at your your uh, your folder of AppV packages and you say, this delivery Every group has these seven app V packages. And then when the user logs in, bang, the packages are available on the desktop. Not the case. Uh, it only works for published applications. So you can publish applications to shared hosted or, you know, um, or VM hosted apps to an app V package, but it doesn't automatically load into the desktop for a user who's using a published desktop. Where, was anybody else aware of this? Because it, it hit me like a smack in the face. Oh, that's new to me too. Um, yeah, so with that in mind, I was less than impressed. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. If you're publishing apps, well, you know, that's good for you. And if you don't want to use the app management infrastructure, then great. You know, you can use Studio to publish the apps that way. But for anybody using hosted shared desktops or, or uh, VDI, um, it's not so good. And I think I think it was a little bit of, a, of a, um, an oversight of Citrix because, I mean, surely it would be very easy for them to do something similar to that but for some reason it, they just didn't do it that way um, so yeah I, I am disappointed I'm, I'm glad I'm glad about the lack of the FE influence the management infrastructure because I try to avoid it like the plague anyway um, you know, in favour of ORES software or something like that who can layer applications into your start menu but uh, yeah I mean how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> um you pretty much summed it up for us, you know, some other features that I, I kind of want to touch on real quick for 7.8, which I think is a big one is going to help uh, a lot of challenges with customers and, and VMware integration is the the SSL thumbprint um, feature they have in there now to where you can um, easier integrate with, with VMware without the hassles we had before. So, you know, that one's a nice feature in 7.8 that I like. And then also, too, with the... Um, session recording is now out there as well for, you know, not just only applications, but for desktops also. Um, so there is some other nice stuff inside of 7.8. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts on it. And Storefront, we have a new version of Storefront, you know, better management. Um, they renamed some things, did some things different. So we also got a nice upgrade in Storefront 3.5. So, yeah, I, I welcome the storefront update. All of those fiddly little things we used to have to do in the XML file are all now in the UI. They've cut down the storefront interface, you know, so the first time you open it, actually, you're a bit shocked. You're like, where did all my stuff go? But it, it's all in there, and it's very intuitive, which is awesome. Uh, the thumbprint piece, agree with you, Jarian, that is very, very handy. It's just one of those extra administrative steps that you have to take when you're doing an implementation, because, I mean, let's be honest, no customer really has a has a, a trusted SSL certificate on their, on their, um, on their vCenter server. Um, there was a script for it. 
There was. Case had a wonderful script for it. <laughs> and I, I remember I remember bug checking it or testing it for you at one stage or another. But yeah, no, that, that script worked well. Um, but now, you know, they've, they've removed that need. So that is good, you know. Um, app disk. We kind of glazed over that. Uh, I, I did have a little bit of a moan about the uh, about the, the attachment process, but has anybody looked deeply at this one? I, I have, and I'm going to hold my breath. Um, but have we looked at AppDisk? I haven't looked at it, but it was very, very basic. Um, you, you know that uh, from from previous uh, um, podcasts that we did. Um, I already looked into uh, to app volumes. Um, had a little peek on uh, Liquid Wear Lab stuff. And AppDisk, is, it's a great start, but it's a start. <laughs> Do you think they're too late to market with that? Um, I wouldn't say late to market, but they're behind the curve because, you know, look at the players in the market. Um, you know, they already have more advanced features with the other ones out there without volumes and Unidesk and Liquidware and FS Logics and so forth. You know, they're kind of already ahead of the game. And so it's going to be interesting to see how quickly Citrus catches up or brings out things that they can't do. Um, you know, right now their biggest um, advantage is the app DNA integration. If you're platinum. Which is a big if. And um... There's another if. If you have enough time to install it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because you have to download all those images um, for the testing, which, you know, I don't know why they can't shift that with it instead of having to sit there and wait for them all to download while you're doing the install. Yeah, no, case hit the, the nail on the head. It took me nine hours to deploy FDNA at a customer recently. Um, and that wasn't slow infrastructure. That was just waiting for it to finish, downloading images and do all the rest. So it's it's a bit slow. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, I've, I've spent... Um, a lot of time in the trenches with AppDisk in the last two weeks uh, as I've kind of reviewed every product on the market um, for upcoming presentations. And I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It's 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 early, you know. It, it does what it does, you know. It allows you to install applications into a disk and then kind of mount them. But the process is so long-winded. Um, the amount of restarts the VMs require to capture the disk, the the the, the export and import into into um, AppDNA could be a lot faster. The 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 net the net result of having to separate out um, thirty two bit and sixty four bit disks isn't uh, isn't wonderful. Um, and then the, the delivery method of actually having to put them on delivery groups it's just it's kind of counterintuitive. I mean, if you look at Citrix's uh, uh, thin client kind of Windows PC thing, uh, what do they call it? Uh, desktop lock. Desktop lock only works with uh, one published desktop. If you have more than one published desktop available, well, then it'll just pick one at random and, and go for it. This isn't going to work with that, you know. So there's a, there's a little bit of a disconnect there, um, to say the least. Um, and then even the AppDNA integration. I mean, sure, it'll give you a report, but the reports are a bit fluffy. I, I haven't managed to get back a, a bad report of apps, and I've managed to break AppDisk pretty conclusively a couple of times. So um, it's it's good to see Citrix have tried to address the the, the explosion in in this or of interest in this. Um, technology. Uh, it's good to see that they have something available in every license edition. Obviously, only Platinum has the AppDNA integration, and I'd argue that, you know, to be honest, you don't really need it at the moment because uh, the, the output isn't that good. So, um, it's good that they've done it. Um, I really hope that it has a better development cycle than, than PVD. 
uh, and that they may they they coined it into something a lot more useful than it is as a stance. But to 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 Citrix customers today, um, it's 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 a nice tool in the toolbox, but it's not something that you'd cancel your your app volumes licenses or your Unidesk licenses for. Yeah, I'm hoping that they go to a, a user based and do some of the stuff that the other players are doing in the market. Um, you know, over time. Yeah, that that being said, um, if you look at the um, the investment they made in into um, into app disks and 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 the revamp of of app DNA, I wonder what the new influence of um, of the new Citrix CEO would be because you know we missed that in the last podcast or um, because we didn't have the podcast we missed it but um, obviously Citrix assigned a new CEO uh, Mark Templeton. Um, you did a step back. Uh, thank you for all the work you did, uh, Mark. Um, what What are your thoughts on that new CEO? So I'll, I'll take that one. So you know, uh, Carol's background obviously is, is Microsoft, and Citrix is is really driving home that Microsoft relationship at the moment, which is good. You know, because they've realized that they can't be all things to all people, and they're pushing stuff down to to Microsoft to resolve and. Um, there's there's a little bit of naivety I think there personally because I think Microsoft are treating Citrix and VMware and everybody else as a competitor in this space as they as they spin up services everywhere to to tackle um, these technologies. Um, but uh, if anything, it's it's promising to have somebody with so much experience uh, taking the helm that you know that wasn't designed by um, by uh, Elliot. Um, and uh, we we had a podcast with Christian Riley that's going to be probably be out by the time this podcast goes out, and he was very positive. Um, I I've a massive amount of time for Christian Riley, and um, he he sounded positive. So you know what, if he's behind the CEO, so am I. I would agree with that. Yeah, but on the Microsoft thing, you know, it, it's always interesting how that that fine line is played, you know, between them and their partners. So that, that's something to keep an eye on as well. So but the big message oh, at Summit ahead. was uh, was that they were going to have that renewed focus on their core products. Um, I, I hope that that that, that truly yeah. is uh, truly is what's going to happen because it felt like over the past you know twelve to eighteen months that there was a little bit of ADD with inside of with inside of Citrix focusing on everything. Yeah, we as I mentioned, we we, we spoke to Christian Riley, um, and our podcast will be out shortly, but. Uh, the focus on the core messages is is is, is kind of key, you know. I think they realised what had happened. I mean, even uh, you know, Gunnar Berger put up a blog post, you know, nearly a year and a half ago now about over rotation, and I think that's what happened. So, yeah, like, like you said, there, um, they had they kind of went off on every angle and tried to be all things to all people, and it, it didn't go as well as they as it could have gone. So, focusing on core, focusing on the apps and desktops piece, focusing on send mobile, share file, um, you know, the the pieces that they're really good at is uh, is where I want to see. Personally, I'd love to see send mobile get a little more attention and care and love because I'm currently pulling my hair out with that product but um, it's uh, it's uh, yeah it's it's a good solid message well uh, on your Zimbabwe comment welcome to my world so yeah I hope they do get some more attention and some some much needed features added but uh, go ahead Tom I'm sorry to cut you off there um it is it was case but I I can imagine that with Thomas's accent and my accent we're we're alike so I can imagine that you uh um that you confuse us too. Uh, <laughs> so, with the with the Microsoft partnership, 
maybe even um, um, not so much of a partnership and their their Intune SE um, configuration manager proposition. They're battling on on the Zen Mobile front as well. Um, like you mentioned, um, uh, Andy Citrix needed to um, uh, to have a little bit more attention about uh, on Zen Mobile, so they released Zen Mobile, the newest version, ten point three. Any thoughts on that? Um, it's nice to see some updates come for Windows 10 and stuff to do around Mac um, OS X, but um, I'm still waiting to see about some other things that they're still lacking um, in the product that some of their competitors have. Lotus Notes? No. <laughs> okay, so uh, I I was never I wasn't the biggest Zen Mobile fan. Um, I tried to to use Zen Mobile eight and nine a number of times, and I just ended up pulling my hair out. Uh, what little hair I have left, it came out too. Um, but with ten, with ten, it was it was a lot easier. You know, they they brought everything back into a single appliance. You know, some of the integration with ShareFile seemed a little more fluid. Um, ten point three is out now. Aside from that bug, I kind of came across uh, to do with the SQL database not putting the administrator in there um, and another slew of I, I, I logged five calls with Citrix today just on Zen Mobile but um, 10.3 is good to see I haven't had a chance to sit down and play with the new features around um, around Windows 10 and, and Mac yet but it was it was poignant to, 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 to point out that you know Intune and uh, uh, VMware's uh, AirWatch uh, actually got there first with that integration and functionality I mean even RES software got there with uh, with Mac management before Zen Mobile did, so um, it's uh, yeah. I I think Zen Mobile has a lot of potential. I think it's a really good product. I think the integration with Nescaler and Sharefile is just phenomenal. But I just don't feel as if it's getting the attention it deserves. No, I would agree. And you know, since I've worked with the product since they bought Zen Prize and eight point five and the App Controller, so. I've kind of suffered along through all the versions, you know, what they're doing in 10 with the combined appliance and where they are, you know, they've come a long way and it's progressing, but you're right though. You need to see more, um, more attention to it and also see better integration across the core products as well. Yeah, no, it's even, it's even, it's even little things like, I mean, and you know, the integration between works mail and share file, I mean, you can only do certain things from the share file app and you can only do certain things from the works mail app. Like for example, if you want to attach a file, well, you can't set any expiration settings or requ- require a user to log in to get a file. You have to do that via ShareFile. You know, it, it, it's just a little split brain. I, I just wish they had a single path to do these kind of things so that when it comes to training a user, you don't have to say, well, you can do this if you want to do it this way or if you, you do this if you want to do it that way. You know, it should just, should just be a lot simpler. And um, yeah, that, that, that is my... Uh, that is my complaint. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, Jarian has a lot more experience on, on Zen Mobile than I have. Yeah, there's one more thing to add, too, about, you know, integration across the products and the core stuff. You know, I, I like to see that, you know, they have a nice framework with Zen Mobile where they could take it a next step further and expand on things, you know, the take the, the failure that was merchandising server and take that concept and put it in Zen Mobile um, do more management with the receiver, um, those type of things. So we'd like to see you know them take Zen Mobile to be that kind of framework for their stack across all their products. Dazzle two point zero. Ah uh, no, that's not that's not offend anybody by comparing them to Dazzle. Um, Dazzle two point zero yeah, is so... storefront. <laughs> 
yeah, okay, well, fair enough. I mean, look, 1.0 is always a bit loose. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, on the on the mobility front, um, obviously on Twitter we had a lot of chest thumping from some of the biggest names from VMware, from Pat Lee to to Sean Bass to Harry Labana to, to Sanjay Poonin about a new release that I'm going to hand over to Tom to tell us all about. Yeah, so uh, VMware had their big announcement earlier this month. Um, they're uh, centered around uh, three uh, three major announcements. Uh, one of which is um, the VMware Workspace One uh, bundle. It's uh, essentially at its core, it's uh, VMware's Identity Manager plus um, different versions of AirWatch, um, depending on which uh, edition of Workspace One you end up choosing. Um, but the big integration here is that. They've integrated uh, AirWatch and Identity Manager um, so that they can pass secure tokens back and forth. So you can automatically sign in to SaaS-based apps or um, Horizon apps and desktops from your mobile from your mobile device, as well as some native mobile apps. It will also cache those credentials and sign you into those apps as well. So. Um, there's three different editions, just like everything else in the VMware EUC suite. There's standard, advanced, enterprise, based on your needs. Um, so uh, the Workspace One is kind of their their bundled offering of AirWatch and different editions of Horizon slash AirWatch uh, together. So if you want to have those two products bundled together, either on-prem or in the cloud, you're looking at Workspace One now. Um, they also introduced a new version of App Volumes, which this was uh, this was pretty neat to see. So App Volumes 3.0 was announced, um, and now they also have three different licensing editions of App Volumes. They have standard, advanced, enterprise. So um, the just the basic um, standard edition just has um, just App Volumes like we've uh, seen it in the past. Um, just you know, the application uh, layering technology. Um, and then if you step up to other editions, you may also get ThinApp. You may also get their, um, their vRealize operations for published apps. So um, you may remember in the past they had the Horizon Application Management Bundle that's actually been retired in favor of this new App Volumes branding. So um, three different editions of App Volumes, depending on your needs. But uh, they announced some major new features in app volumes, such as app toggle. Um, so this is the ability to hide apps in certain app stacks. So this is very close to application cloaking, like we're seeing from FS Logic and some of the other players in this space. So um, one of the kind of the key problems with app volumes in the past was that you had to do a departmental app stack. Um, and, you know, maybe not everybody in that department needs every app in the app stack. Well, so this way you could capture, say, a finance app stack with every, all of the apps needed for finance. But within that app stack, you could even get more granular and say certain teams need certain apps. So uh, that's very cool. And it actually prevents the app from being injected into the operating system. And then um, app isolation. So they integrate... Thin app uh, app isolation with the app volume, and then app scaling. So the ability to store app stacks 
on SIF shares and protect them for disaster recovery purposes. Um, the disaster recovery is something, you know, I've harped on app volumes in the past uh, on this podcast, and uh, this is a very welcome change from, uh, from my point of view. I'll get that completely. So we're, we're seeing the – is that literally just for DOR purposes? We're going to carry on using VMDKs for, for kind of attachment and, and with, with, you know, with, with GT use cases, but you'll have the ability to replicate out to SIFs, or are you actually going to be able to use SIFs as your, as your storage locations for, for app disks? That's a, that's a good question. I, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's more geared for disaster recovery, but I don't remember for sure. Okay, well, I mean, look, even even if it's just for Dior, that, that's a welcome change, as you pointed out, because designing app volumes for Dior was a pain in the backside. So, um, no, it's great to see. I mean, the app toggle and isolation pieces are, are very, very handy to have. You know, I mean, the, the next step, obviously, for, for all of the vendors in this space, and I'd argue that app volumes are right up there with Unidesk, is the ability to kind of add you know, um, Workspace Manager or AppSense style kind of security rules around applications in app volumes, you know, who can access what. And the ability to cloak those applications is a, is a welcome change. And, you know, some isolation as well would, would be good too because, you know, you're kind of bringing in the, 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 the thin app functionality too there. So it, this is the, I thought this was a phenomenal release and it's great to see how fast VMware are innovating with app volumes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I personally love the product. I absolutely love app volumes, um, with the exception of, of writable disks. But I think every, every <laughs> I think every technology has that issue. You know, eventually when you cludge together binary bits of people or people's profiles, it tends to go a bit crazy. Um, but uh, has has anybody had good success with writable disks? I should ask. I haven't talked to anybody that really has. Um, okay. You know. For the user installed apps uh, feature, you know, maybe, but you, like you said, when you try to inject that much stuff at user login, Windows gets angry. So, uh, you know, your mileage may vary. Got it completely. And I think, you know, PVD also has that challenge as well. And, you know, um, the, 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 uh, um, I can't take it at the vendor I was about to mention, but yeah, it's it's not it's not specific to app volumes. Um, personally, I take great exception to the user installed apps market as a whole. You know, this 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 kind of exploded in 2011, 2012 as a, as a must use case. You know, for people. But I've always I've always maintained the line that if your users need to install an application, it means your business requires an application. Therefore, just package it. You know, don't let users install something, then get hit by a bus, and all of a sudden the function can't be complete. You know, um, but anyway, that that that's my gripe. Um, so bridging over to Horizon Seven, obviously, I mean, Workspace One included Horizon Seven. What can you tell us about Horizon Seven, Tom? Yes, uh, Horizon Seven and uh, came with a bunch of new features as well. So Horizon is the next version of VMware View, which you re- you may remember VMware View. The name has been kind of sunset for a year or so now. It's Horizon uh, up until. T- up until recently, it was Horizon 6. Now it's Horizon 7. Um, the, uh, the bits aren't out yet, but some of the features that they've, that they've talked about, um, first of all, they've got a brand new protocol that has been developed by VMware. It's called Blast Extreme. So um, you guys may remember HTML Blast, uh, the ability to put uh, Horizon desktops and apps in an HTML browser. That was actually using this new Blast protocol, but just in the browser. Going forward, 
you will also be able to use that BLAST protocol in the view client. So um, some of the capabilities here are is feature parity is um, right there with PC over IP, all the same, you know, USB direction, um, printer redirection, all of those features match with PC over IP. But the big thing here is that um, this protocol actually uses H.264. So devices like Chromebooks that are already have already have the instructions built into the hardware to decode uh, H.264, um, you're going to see that offloaded to the hardware instead of trying to use the, the software to do that. So you're going to see um, better performance for those devices. Hey, Thomas, what, what will that mean for, uh, for PC over IP? Where, do you know where it's going, or do you have uh, like, uh, thoughts about where that is going? So all the, all the information that I've gotten from VMware is that PC IP is not going anywhere. So um, you're still going to have tons of use cases where you're going to need uh, a zero client, right? And those, those Teradici zero clients that have been running PC over IP for years are still going to need to be used. So PC over IP is definitely still in Horizon 7. Um, and a lot of people don't realize this, but VMware actually forked the PC over IP code a couple of years back. So Teradici owns a branch, and VMware owns their own branch of PC over IP. So they've been developing that in-house for a couple of years now. So uh, all the communication that I've gotten from VMware is that PC over IP is not going anywhere. Yeah, and I, you I, do I have to wonder. Well. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Jay. No, I was saying I heard the same as well, and um, it's just pretty nice to see what they're doing with Blast Extreme, taking away that separate 8443 port, going to the standard SSL port. Um, some of the things they're doing, yep. so it, it's something that, that's very welcomed in their product stack. I'd, I'd echo that, and you know what I what I really have to hand to VMware is how they managed to bring Blast Extreme out with feature parity. I yeah. mean, how many companies can say that? How many companies can take a uh, uh, you know a, a well bedded in mature um, protocol and and create a, a kind of an aside protocol that matches it on announcement. I mean, I think that was phenomenal work and I can see why Pat Lee and, 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 uh, and Sean were so proud of themselves over that one. It was, um, it was, uh, it was, it was a really welcome kind of announcement. It, we, we had a, we had a call with Sean and Pat and all the rest just before the announcement. Um, and the, the running joke was what is happening to PC over IP. If, if you're, if you're creating this, you know, kind of bells and whistles protocol. And personally, I think that the bell, the death bell has been nailed for PC over IP in the future. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to maintain some kind of cross compatibility for X amount of time, which is good, you know, because the last thing people out there who who have PC over IP capable thing clients want to do is throw it out in the next year when they were sold a seven year life cycle. But I I don't I think this is the sign that th this is their next protocol and their next leap, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, if if it's you know if it renders better, if it's using less bandwidth, less latency, I don't see why you would choose. PC over IP over Blast today, except for the PC over IP zero client use case. I'd agree with that. Um, but some of the other features that they put in Horizon 7, um, so one feature that they have is called Smart Policies, where they're actually using um, UEM 
uh, inside of Horizon to apply policies to the PC over IP profile. And I assume this will also work for Blast. I haven't gotten confirmation on that yet. Um, but you can tweak that PC over IP connection, you know, enable or disable clipboard, enable build, uh, build to lossless, things like that, um, based on the context of the current user. So if that user's um, on the LAN, maybe you have more bandwidth intensive PC over IP profiles to get a better quality. But if they're coming off across the WAN, scale that PC over IP back a little bit. So um, that's going to be integrated with UEM. And under the covers, what that's actually doing is it's setting registry keys um, inside the desktop for that PC over IP server. Um, but that will be very, very welcome. And um, so we finally got a little bit of information on Project Enzo. Um, Project Enzo is now um, generally available at, with Horizon 7, but it's been renamed to Horizon Air Hybrid Mode. So um, Horizon Air Hybrid Mode is, the, is essentially um, an updated version of the Desktone software um, that you guys remember they acquired a couple years ago. Um, that's been powering their Horizon Air platform inside of vCloud Air. And um, they're going to take that platform and run it um, on-prem uh, on vSAN ready nodes or Evo Rail appliances. And you will have the ability to manage desktops both on-prem and in the cloud. So um, if you have that hybrid use case where you've got you know um, users that um, seasonal workers that need to expand very rapidly, but not year-round. Um, that might be a good use case. But um, so, but it is important to note that that is different code from Vue. That's actually the Desktone software. Uh, a lot of it's been rewritten. A lot of it's been um, updated by VMware, but it's definitely not Vue handling that. Um, yeah, go ahead. The, the, the smart policies is... Um is great because again it's VMware showing that they acquired a product that they intend to actually carry on developing. Um, you know, the smart policies, you know, built into the UEM stack is is another sign that VMware are doing kind of uh, intelligent rule bases and intelligent UEM based on on um, on whatever factors that they're, they're dictating off. You know, so uh, I thought it was great to see. While it's uh, it's uh, it's only it's only the first step. I hope there's more steps to go. But again, it's it's VMware showing that all of these products that they have acquired, they're carrying on to integrate and develop further. Which is fantastic to see because again, nobody likes an acquisition that just sits there and gathers dust. Yep. Absolutely. And probably the most welcome feature to Horizon 7, one that I know that you personally have been waiting for, Andy, is finally they're having just-in-time desktops Yay! at Horizon 7. Um, so this, is, this will be the enterprise licensing. Yes, if you have Horizon Enterprise, um, you'll be able to do the instant clone desktops. Um, so... You'll uh, be able to, you'll have, it's basically um, a master VM running on each ESX host. Um, and then as users log in, it's using the VM fork code to instantly clone a, a VM of that master. And it will be, it's basically stunned um, about halfway through the boot process so that as soon as that VM uh, gets cloned, VMware injects the machine name, injects the user settings through um, 
through app volumes or through UEM, and then that machine is now a an independent VM that users can log into and modify. I uh, I was a little skeptical about the about the details of how it's going to be done. Uh, you know, the the original idea of actually forking a live machine doesn't seem to have been maintained in the sense that it's not like it's up and running and and ready straight away. It does seem to be a bit of a stunted boot process, doesn't it? So um, again, it's only going to make things faster. Don't get me wrong. It's just not the the immediate fork that I was expecting. Well, did you pick up on that the same way? Because I was reading a blog post that said, you know, it's kind of restarted or requires a, requires a little bit of a boot. No, I, I got the same uh, impression it, from, from seeing yeah. and hearing that also. But I also want to add, too, is that it's only for desktops, not for the RDS workloads, and that they're still right. going to have linked clones around for other option as well for provisioning uh, image. Yep, yep, linked clones are not going to go anywhere just yet. Um, I imagine in the future... You know, at some point, they would probably sunset that um, once they get feature parity with uh, the just-in-time desktops. Um, but yeah, great point. It is uh, just for desktops, not RDS servers. Um, but what I've been told is that it, they're actually doing an offline domain join. And uh, so, you know, it should boot and be on the domain and uh, with, within a matter of seconds. Oh, Jerry, you were right. It is a, it is an offline domain join. Uh, we should have put money on it. If so, you would have been up a couple of euro or dollars for that matter, um, because that was that was kind of what what Jerry had guessed was going to uh, was going to be the approach. Um, I didn't think that would work, but uh, anyway, look, it is what it is. I just feel a little robbed that it's not forking live. Um, but look, what can you do? You know. Uh, anyway, look, it's welcome. I, 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 want to, I want to play with it now, yesterday. I want to see how, how well this performs. And let's be honest, anything is, uh, anything is a bit better than, um, than uh, the composer. Yes, and hopefully the, the speed improvements and less overhead and storage and using memory is a bonus as well. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Uh, yeah, so I, the, the Horizon Air hybrid mode, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, as to how that's going to progress, but I'm very, very excited about, you know, Fork and Instant Clones. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where that takes us. Um, do we have a, do we have a, uh, a, a release date or an in, uh, indicative date as to when we might get to play with the new bits and app volumes in Horizon 7? I think we've just been told Q1, so... Um, it's, you know, it's, um, is into March now and there's only three months in Q1. So I'll let you do the math. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in fairness to VMware, I mean, obviously Enzo was a little delayed when it was supposed to be at the end of the year, but at least they are progressing. So even if they are a bit late and it ends up at the start of Q2, I think we'll all, would all happily receive that update. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, another, another announcement that, um, we were only talking to somebody about today, Jason Smith from, from Liquidware Labs. Uh, they have inter- introduced um, in their new FlexTap the ability to do side-by-side DLLs, which is pretty clever. So again, it's, it's an app layering technology, but you know, if, you have a, if you have a DLL conflict in the base image and uh, the uh, app disk, uh, the challenge is kind of, you know, it's last right wins really as to which, uh, which, which DLL will come through or, you know, if it's, if it's a path base, in theory, the wrong DLL could be loaded. So They've they've introduced some um, some uh, side by side loading of that kind of stuff. Uh, I I've been sitting down and playing with uh, Flex App. Um, 
in the last couple of days. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble at the start, um, but that was just me not reading the manual. Today, I've, I've been <laughs> having a lot more fun with it. And, uh, you know, it, it seems pretty solid. It seems pretty solid. Um, has anybody had a chance to play with uh, Profile Injury or Flex App lately? Take it I've, got it, I've got it up and running in the, in, in the lab. Um, like you did, um, it, it took me a, a, a few tries before I, I, I got my head around it, but um, it, I got it to work. Yeah, no, I think I had it up and running. That you know, when I actually sat down and I looked at the quick deploy guide, you know, it's only about three or four pages. I think I had it up and running in ninety minutes with my first disk uh, kind of deployed. And for what it does, it does really, really well. And you know, from a from a pricing point of view, it's it's very it's very appealing um, to get you know your your UEM piece and your and your uh, application virtualization piece and your monitoring piece all in one. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, Cool. Uh, Jarian, um, Unidesk obviously made some announcements at, at Summit, and I know you love these guys. Do you want to talk about a little bit about Unidesk? Yeah, so they've been, they kind of came out of stealth mode on their next generation um, platform. Um, and basically, what they're doing is they're going to have uh, layering and they're going to do integration with, with PBS. So they're kind of getting away from their old model of you know being the gatekeeper for everything, so for brokering. And now they're going to work along with different. Um, image technologies, and the first one they're going to start with is PBS. So there should be a beta coming soon. Um, and then also, too, they announced a functionality later on called Elastic um, contain, elastic Layering to where you can um, mount, mount layers on demand um, at the user level. Um, but, you know, they're going to do integration with other products as well, and maybe I'll let uh, Case talk about that from his side. Yeah, I mean, Ron Augusby, um, um, chief architect at, at Unidesk, um, mentioned something with um, uh, a certain hypervisor that runs on a certain platform. So, um, well, that was uh, the Acropolis hypervisor, by any chance? Wow, wow! I, I need to take you to the casino because you're spot on. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, Unidesk 4 uh, is coming with uh, AHV Acropolis Hypervisor um, uh, support as well. So there's integration into AHV, which is, uh, I think, one of – it will be big for um, both Unidesk and AHV. Very good. Very good. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Acropolis Hypervisor is a phenomenal value play um, for people who have spent the money on Nutanix, the ability to remove the VTAX. Is uh, is one that's always welcomed, and the, obviously Citrix are, are are playing ball with you guys at the moment, and now potentially um, uh, Unidesk as well. It's 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 you know, and, and obviously Sustancia as well. You guys are are kind of making edgeways into all the VM or the the EUC partners, aren't you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, it's an attractive play. It's uh, it's simple. It's it's performing. Um, there's uh, a support team that has a, um, a net promoter score of, of 92, which is sky high. Um, so it's, I, I guess it's an attractive play to, uh, to be part of. And, um, um, we're seeing a lot of requests for integrations and, um, it makes my, my job a lot more fun because I can be in the middle of all that integration. Um, so that's, that's great. Um, that being said, I mean, if you look at the, the market, uh, going forward at, at this, at this moment, um, I'm not sure if you noticed, but, uh, Cisco did a, did an announcement on a new, uh, OEM with Springpath. Um, so they're going into the hyperconverged market as well. Um, and I'm really looking forward on, on what's going to happen next with, uh, with that OEM deal. Um, 
you know, um, I know that Cisco and uh, and Simplicity had a had a pretty strong relationship. I'm I'm just wondering what will happen with that relationship. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one to to play on. I. I was really hoping Cisco would acquire Citrix and do something clever with, with Zen Server and Melio, but obviously Melio has now been taken out to the pasture and shot. So um, uh, I don't know what Citrix Cisco are doing, and I, I don't really work very closely with them. I was very suspicious of their of their Blade hardware and all the rest um, when it first came out. But, you know, it's been adopted by some people, which is super good for them. Um, but, yeah... Uh, I don't know. As you mentioned there, Simpl- Simplicity and, and Cisco there were, were kind of all pats on the back, hugs and kisses. So I don't know what's going to happen there either, to be honest. But hey, look, a little bit of, a little bit of turbulence in the market's only going to serve you guys even better, isn't the case? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's another player going for, uh, for a big hyper-converge play, which, which just validates the, the road we... Uh, we're going into, and I mean, we're stepping. So step by step, we're uh, as a Nutanix, we're stepping. Uh, we're stepping away from just being hyperconverged. Uh, so we have a multi-layered journey uh, to go through, and, and the first step was to um, to make storage invisible, and that that's uh, something uh, uh, I think we're reasonably successful in. The next step would be to make the hypervisor invisible, and then there's more. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this, and um, you know, uh, like you said, a little bit of um, up uptake in the market, a little bit of um, uh, shaking around is it's it's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, well, that's it, you know. And obviously, with the, the with the with the invisible invisible infrastructure and all the rest, Azure was a was a quick play. I think one thing we forgot to mention though was uh, Unidesk's uh, Azure integration. Um, did you did you get much of a brief on that, uh, Jerry? I know we spoke to Ron about it, but uh, you know, and it's there. But for anybody who missed that podcast. Yeah, the uh, Azure integration was kind of where their next generation kind of started. That kind of led them down this path to kind of uncouple them from being from being everything except for the broker. So that, that's where it started. So they've had Azure um, integration for a while, and they're working on some newer stuff in their, their next generation uh, product as well. Oh, very good, very good. Um, okay, so yeah, no, Unidesk is definitely one to watch. I mean, from an application layering point of view, uh, Tyler f- uh, from um, from Liquidware Labs did a blog post a couple of weeks ago um, around kind of 2016 is the year of application layering. And to be honest, I think he actually hit the nail on the head. Um, it's definitely the market to watch from an EUC point of view because I mean everybody is is gearing up for the, for the next phase. Um, if I was to if I was to stack them. I'd probably put Unidesk right up there with app volumes, maybe even slightly ahead uh, as market leaders, and then kind of trickle down from app volumes to the other vendors as well, just from a from a feature and comparison point of view. Do you think that'd be fair to to stack them that way? Yeah, that that's kind of the way I feel about it as well. Um, you know, it, app volumes and Unidesk historically have done things a little bit differently, but uh, Unidesk is Unidesk's new announcements um, are pretty tremendous i mean the fact that they're layering applications and um, delivering unique sessions to hosted shared servers i mean it's it's a bit of black magic what they're what they're doing there um but uh no i, I would agree app volumes and unit seem to be the leaders on this front and then um but there there are a handful of other of other vendors right there on their heels yeah no i'd agree that that's uh 
session hosted desktop thing kind of hit, knocked me for six. I, I missed it on the on the brief that we had uh, with Ron, and then on the podcast he mentioned it, and then he fell off my chair. How they are doing that, I do not know. But um, it, it's the kind of black magic you mentioned there, which is the kind of black magic of VM fork. You know, the kind of wait, what? How does that work? You know, so very um, very excited to see uh, how that's going to work and how that's going to play out for them. But obviously, um, you know, market leaders get copied, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing other vendors come up with the same solution as well. Um, because the ability to layer applications into a hosted shared desktop and have isolation per user, that is phenomenal. That That's clever stuff right there. So, uh, yeah, um, I think we've just about covered all our topics. That's the, That wasn't too bad, 55 minutes for two months. There we you, go. You forgot one. What did I forget? Oh, no, I haven't forgotten about the very important announcement. I'm not actually going to make him sing a song, so we can calm down now. But congratulations to Thomas Brown on, uh, on his new job at RES Software. Do you, want to tell us, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your, your, um, your, your, your motivation and your new role? Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm very happy to announce that um, as of last week, I joined RES, uh, formerly RES Software, now officially just Res. Um, if you guys haven't heard of what Res does, I highly suggest you look them up. Look them up. Um, I'm going to be a sales engineer for Res, um, covering the Carolinas and the U.S. They uh, so Res does application and user lifecycle management, basically. So um, anything from hiring the employee, create, uh, creating all the accounts, um, creating the, the the apps, the printers, um, anything that that user needs all the way through to managing the the user workspace from delivering the applications, the printers, the the settings, um, self-service, the ability to go out to an app store and request your own applications and settings, all the way down to uh, terminating those user accounts when the user leaves. Um, they do a, a lot of very cool stuff. It's very cool tech and uh, just fantastic people to work with. Um, I'm very excited to join that team. Very good. Yeah, no, I think myself and Case would definitely be RES fans. Uh, Case was RSVP of the year a couple of years ago. You big nerd. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I've been I've been using RES and uh, pretty much all my product, projects for the last five or six years now. Um, back when it was Power Menu. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, it, it, great, great product. Um, two features that I'd absolutely love to call RESA for is the managed start menu. Um, uh, you know the application isolation features that they have in there. Um, the, the you know the, the the granularity of control. Basically, um, you know if if you were to put the, the UEM vendors up on a on a stack, I think AppSense and RES would be right up there. And you know from a just purely on a UEM play, but that's discrediting entirely how much work RES have put into their automation piece which is uh which is phenomenal the IT store is is something that you kind of have to see to 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 see the value but like with with a little bit of effort in IT store you can make the craziest workflows just magic for the users it's uh I was I was delighted to hear when you moved because I knew you were going to the right company there because um I uh I I'm a big fan of their stuff yeah thank you i mean they've They've had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of Citrix influence over the past uh, few years. Hoping to bring a little bit of the uh, the VMware love to uh, to Res as well. Um, so we look forward to some more integrations on that front. Cool. Okay. Uh, 
Well, look, um, that's pretty much this month, or the last two months in the UC, I should say. Um, Case, thank you very much for joining us today. Similarly, uh, Thomas, and best of luck with your new career. We'll all be watching very closely. Um, for me, I uh, just wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsors, uh, Liquidware Labs, uh, Control Up, and FS Logics. You guys are awesome, and thanks for sponsoring us. Um, and over to Jarian. Yes, uh, congratulations, uh, Thomas, on the new role. Um, thank you for joining us today, along with thank you, Mr. Vagerman. Um, and thank you to our listeners. Um, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast for myself and Andrew Morgan. Have a good day.